these two pass, these two it's a two directional pathway. Number one, young people are petrified about the future, and that is having a substantial impact on their mental health. Uh, I don't know that dude's name speaking at the World Economic Forum. I agree with him. Hold up, don't get mad. I agree with him. He talks so people are so freaked out about climate change. Young people are having mental health issues, and here's where I agree. Because of how the national news outlets every day. USA Today, biggest offender. Oh, my God, it rained in California. Climate change. We got snow in Jefferson City, but not in Columbia. Climate change. I agree with them. Young people are freaking out, not because of intellectual honesty, which is a new phrase that we've learned from Dr. Lena Wen on CNN. Uh, they're scared because of the way the national news outlets paint this doom and gloom. We're all going to die unless you buy a Tesla. Man. that was By the way, World Economic Forum, uh, the, uh, who's the dude you crush on? Elon Musk. Yes. Did you hear? He's saying he was invited but didn't want to go. Officials are mm. saying oh, he wasn't invited. But his reasoning, apparently, according to him, for not wanting to go... Boring AF. <laughs> Hannah, can you translate? What does AF mean? <laughs> it, it, means, it means as... It's no. something you can't but. put on a license plate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perfect. Uh, we got to bring in somebody from the Show Me Institute, somebody who uh, served the White House Council of Economic Advisors, Aaron Headland. Aaron, what does AF mean? When somebody says boring AF, what does that mean? Uh, I think I'll punt that to the, the next generation to explain. Uh, welcome. To, this is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rathard, Stephanie Bell, Brian Houseworth, John Marsh, producer Hannah, our guest, Aaron Headland, Show Me Institute, uh, former senior advisor at the White House Council of Economic Advisors. He's got all the creds. If you, if you had a baseball card, there'd be your, your mug on the front. You turn it over. You got all the credentials. Um, and I'm, so I'm, here's what I'm thinking about. Somebody, let's say somebody going to work at the Dollar General Distribution Center in Fulton this morning, and they're driving and they're listening to Wake Up Mid Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 104.5 News Radio, 950 KWS. And like, yeah, I've heard the World Economic Forum, bunch of rich people in a foreign country and all that, but why should I care? Why should that person care about what's happening right now there, Aaron? Well, first of all, you've, you've given me a great idea for a side hustle, which is to create a business that makes uh, economists baseball cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a cut. <laughs> yeah, as far as why should the average person care about what happens there, honestly, they probably shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> well, we appreciate your honesty. We'll chat with you next time. Aaron Hedlund, show me the institute. <laughs> I think he just said, I agree with Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, a lot of important things going on in the economy, and I don't think what uh, what the what the elites discuss at, at these forums abroad really matters quite so much. But you know the the data on inflation, you know, that, that's the stuff that matters. The debates that are going on at DC, where they're actually making decisions, that stuff definitely matters. Uh, so it's certainly useful to see what people are thinking, and unfortunately, the, the leadership is still pretty currently rudderless at the moment. I'm struggling with this debt issue, which is kind of coming to a head. And I think where I'm struggling is, you know, Republicans want to push back and limit spending. And I agree there. I've got two questions. One person I've heard has said, hey, this is all already authorized. So it's like racking up a big credit card bill and not 
pay, and refusing to pay it. That is not smart. So A, is that true? And then two, Democrats are saying, hey, Republicans suddenly care about spending, um, you know, during the Trump administration, which you were, you know, in the Trump administration, you know, they kept raising the debt ceiling. So how do we square our actions? You know, how do we support Republicans now and say, yes, push back with what happened during Trump's time? Yeah, so I'd say a couple things. First of all, the, the analogy that that analogy is used all the time about people, we already spent the money and now we're just wanting to, you know, now we have to pay the bill. That's not quite the, the correct analogy because some of the money has actually been spent and it on, and it clearly will continue to be spent. Some of the money, some of the things were ordered, but hasn't actually been spent yet. So I would say, imagine you show up to a restaurant, the meal is ongoing, you know, the family is racking up, you know, racking up really expensive orders, but the kitchen hasn't actually started cooking everything. So it seems like one of the things you'd want to do is spending that maybe was ordered, but hasn't actually occurred yet. Go ahead and stop some of that. So I do think it is very sensible for the new Congress to say, hold on a second. The left racked up tons of spending most very recently. We're going to cancel some of it. But things that are ongoing that have been on the budget for a while and and clearly, and there's kind of no way to reverse that spending. That sort of stuff you keep going. So I think that's the, the different analogy. I mean, ultimately, the debt ceiling will have to be raised. I mean, there's no question that it has to be raised. The question is, how can we avoid this cycle of one group spends a bunch of money and then punts it to the next group to, to unfortunately have to pay it? So those are the reforms we've got to think about doing. But how do you how do you square the the raising of the debt ceiling during the Trump times when they say, well, you didn't you didn't care about the debt ceiling because it got raised during the Trump administration? Yeah. So ultimately, the, the debt ceiling will have to be raised. There's no question there. If someone's saying we're, we're literally never going to raise it, that's, that's not going to happen. And I would say that deficit spending is not confined to one party or the other. We've had deficits for quite some period of time. But if you look at the past few years, there's been about a 24% increase in spending that was very abrupt and it hasn't gone away. So this is a, 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 a totally different scale. But no one's saying that next year we're going to go to a balanced budget that quickly. That's just not going to happen. We're on an unsustainable path, and now we're on a wildly unsustainable path, and we need to correct that very rapidly. Professor, thank you for joining us live. I want to ask about something more locally here that involves a marketplace in mid-Missouri. It's a huge issue that we're going to hear a lot about. It will dominate news coverage today, and that is the governor's proposal for state employee pay. He is going to call today on the legislature to not only pass an 8.7% COLA adjustment for state employees, but he wants it done by March the first, and he says this, quote, this is not state government attempting to set the market. This is an attempt by state government to stay competitive with the market, noting, Aaron, that there are 7,000 open positions in state government. Does the Show Me Institute have a position on that proposed pay raise? So the Show Me Institute is very much pro-market, right? and I would say that the market is not giving people 8-plus percent raises. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's the consequence of inflation. Purchasing power is eroded. And so what I would say is, in times like this, this is a perfect opportunity to assess how we can modernize the workforce in the state. So there absolutely should be some positions where if the only way to recruit someone who can fill the job is to pay them a bunch more, then that should happen. But then if there are positions where people have been there for way too long, it's not an effective position, not really delivering for the state, 
there's no point giving that position a raise. Ultimately, some of the positions you may not want to continue on. So I don't think you just automatically give blanket pay raises. You want to reserve that for where it's truly needed. Aaron Hedlund, Show Me Institute, former senior advisor at the White House Council of Economic Advisors during the Trump admin, hanging out with us this morning here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. First of all, uh, Aaron, on the ball cards, I'll trade you two John Maynard Keems for a Milton Friedman. So. I'm keeping my Friedman. Talk to us about the debt ceiling. I think there's some confusion for people what that amounts to, and it's pretty simple about, you know, when the government hits a debt ceiling, they can't borrow anymore. This is something, you know, they try to blame on one administration or the other under Bill Clinton and all. Man, how many times did the debt ceiling get raised in the Reagan administration? Yeah, that's a good question. I have to go back in the history books and see how a bunch. it's gone up. But, uh, but yeah, it's basically the credit card limit, right? We're hitting the limit, and you can't spend more without raising the limit. And some of the spending has already happened, and it's ongoing, so there's, there's nothing to do about that. But the things that were recently authorized, but the money hasn't actually been incurred and gone out the door and spent, absolutely, that should be on the table to stop that. Like, you, you can go back to, you can talk to the waiter and say, well, hold on a second. That really deluxe dessert I just ordered, let's go ahead and cancel it. And unfortunately, right now, the left is saying, no, you can't cancel orders. Once you order it, you can never take it back. Well, if it hasn't actually been cooked yet, sure you can. How, how far off base is this comparison? I think back to when I was a younger guy and I started getting credit cards. And, oh, wow, look at this. And I also remember on more than one occasion, like when I would tap out of that five grand mark or the 10 grand mark, I would call the credit card company and I'd say, yes, Visa, this is Mr. Rathard. Uh, I'm, I'm approaching my $10,000 limit. Uh, why don't y'all go ahead and jack that up for me today? And then they would bump it up to twelve five. I still didn't have the money to make the payments or pay down that debt, but they raised how much I could, in effect, borrow. Is that too simplistic? Is that analogous? So the good news is that in the U.S., we're still the strongest economy in the world. We're not literally on the on the door of being unable to pay the bills, but we've racked up tons of debt. And if we keep going like this, especially with a bunch of retirements happening and all the strain that's going to create, we really will run into problems. So I would say one reform we should think about is any time going forward, there's a bill that proposes increase, increasing deficits in that same bill there should also be the debt limit increase at the same time. And the reason for that is you can't have politicians taking credit for popular spending and then punting the unpopular debt limit increase to someone else. They should happen at the same time. So if someone proposes more deficits, then they also have to take the heat for the, for the higher limit. Aaron Hedlund, man, I, I appreciate more than you know when you come on because we've had an influx since the tragic events of January the 20th of 2021. We've had an incredible influx of regretful Biden voters, younger people that are now listening to Wake Up Mid-Missouri and going like, what's happening? Why am I paying eight bucks for eggs? Why is gas like this? Why is the can of progressive soup so high now? Why? And trying to explain it to those people. That's why we appreciate you. Anything else you want to add? Website you want to give out? Show Me Institute? Anything like that where you want to send people to? Yeah, well, they should absolutely check out showmeinstitute.org. And in the next day or two, we're actually going to have a, a piece that's sort of explaining inflation and where things are going, likely to be going over the next few months. All right. Thank you so much, Aaron Hedlund. Coming up 735, our lieutenant governor, uh, Mike Kehoe, he is going to be joining us. This uh, um not so much a preview on the state of the state, but some things that are going to be in there. And he's going to talk about, Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe is going to be talking about mental health issues 
veteran issues in the ag industry here in the state of Missouri. He's here at 735. Programming note, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Five. He wants that gold star so badly. I'm not giving him a gold star for doing what he's supposed to have been doing all this time. How much trouble would I get if I actually brought in a confetti cannon to shoot it at 725? <laughs> can I? Hannah, can we tell Stephanie this story that you and I had pre-show yesterday about some behind-the-scenes stuff as far as the structure of the show and the clocks and and all that? I don't remember this conversation, so sure. Am I getting blamed for being no, late? Okay. No, 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 no. Complimented, actually. <laughs> oh, good. Uh-oh. Have you Sorry. been drinking? Uh, no. We do have What's Hot with Hannah, and it's a really good one. Made me smile. Uh, but we was talking about some new things we're trying to do with how we formulate. <laughs> like be on time. Well, yeah, and the stories and who all can see it and who all. And so I've been messing around <laughs> with some of it. I'm sorry. And I'm bragging to head. I'm like, uh, look, John, quit passing Hannah the bottle, would you? And I'm, bra- I'm like, yeah, and I've been trying out these new things. And I was like, really excited. <laughs> and Hannah says, oh, well, maybe Stephanie will give you a gold star today. <laughs> <laughs> He's I like, I, I, got, I got this new technology. It's called a whiteboard. I think I also said maybe you won't get any, like, question mark text messages from Steph, too. You know I'm mad. It'll hit <laughs> the single question mark. Uh, Hannah, can you stumble through? What's hot with I'm going to try. Today? I'm going to try. I apologize. <laughs> so, uh, the Buffalo Bills... I've been in the news lately. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. You know, their player, DeMar Hamlin's kind of a big story right now. (laughs) There's another reason the Bills are going internet viral this week. Um, They did something really cool for one of their local heroes. Uh, The snowstorm that hit hit Buffalo a couple weeks ago. You know, they had like six or seven feet of snow. And there were a couple people that died in that snowstorm. Well, there was a local Good Samaritan who, sorry, (laughs) I'm distracting myself. Your radio is not cutting out, by the way. Hannah has just, she's been stricken with a case of the hiccups. Wait till she reads the news here coming up at 730. (laughs) Well, this guy named Jay, he actually broke into a school. He broke a window and (laughs) broke into the school and ended up saving the lives of, like, 24 people. Mm. So, yeah, he broke into the school. That's maybe not the best thing to do. Crime does pay. It does pay, apparently. <laughs> uh, the Bills, the Buffalo Bills, got a hold of this story. And they sent Jay two tickets to the Super Bowl, which is really cool. But also makes me wonder if the Bills are anticipating being there. Like, is that putting the cart before the horse? So, and you bring up a really good question, because... <laughs> Here's my, there it is. Sorry. Here's my thing. Does anybody uh, else feel kind of like it's destiny for the Bills to go to and win the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, for yeah. DeMar. Yeah. Uh, um, well, whatever. <laughs> Way to go, jinx those Chiefs. <laughs> I know. Um, Sorry, that was the clumsiest what's hot with Hannah I have no, ever done. No, it was uh, very good. So the the dude, he saved a bunch of people and the Buffalo Bills who are being as assumptive as John. Because, John, we've been assumptive, too, about the Chiefs are going to be in the the championship game, haven't we? Certainly. Uh, uh, The Bills may be being assumptive. Uh, Kids, I was kidding. Uh, The lesson here is not that crime does pay. But sometimes, but. <laughs> hey, remember that time I broke and entered into a school and I got tickets to the Super Bowl? 
state of Missouri. That's Vivek Malik. And this is a this was historic. What happened yesterday in Jefferson City? Sworn in as treasurer, historic uh, top uh, first minority to hold a statewide executive branch office. You think about the history and the number of offices over the years. Pretty uh, pretty impressive. Want to bring in Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe? Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of things as it relates to veterans' issues, mental health issues, maybe a little bit what he expects in the state of the state today. But let me ask you this first, Lieutenant Governor. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, what do you know about Mr. Malik? Well, his story is unbelievable. Um, first of all, Brandon, before I forget, you did a great job at the prayer breakfast. I'm not trying to suck up to you, but I do need to give credit where credit's due. Uh, that was a great event, and you were a wonderful host that we had. Well, thank you, but did you, see, did you see where I fell off the stage at the end of the event with the pastor? <laughs> you, you, know, you know, it's radio, so you don't have to tell people that. And I'm, I mean, I'm not a professional like you are, but I've been on with you, your co-host, several times. So, <laughs> Well, thank you um, for your kind words, sir. Anyway, Casey Wolf was one of the most inspiring speakers I've ever heard, yep. and I've been to a lot of those things, and I'm sure you have, too. Yeah. Vivek's story is unbelievable. Believable. Um, it is what America is all about. You know, a guy comes with two suitcases and $300 in his pocket, goes to school in Cape Dorado, Missouri, uh, and he becomes one of the most successful attorneys in the state and certainly in that region. And now all of a sudden he's a statewide office holder. So um, he will uh, do very well. And I think um, Missourians will gain a lot from his expertise, his knowledge, and his kind of journey through life that got him here today. And it's what makes him a great conservative, by the way. And um, he, uh, I think he'll do very well. And I love stories like that because that's a tangible result. People say, well, we got to have, we all got to start out at the, we got to do this and make concessions. This guy, perfect example of, again, hard work, determination, what they could do. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe is joining us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rathard, Stephanie Bell, John Marsh, Brian Housworth, producer Hannah checking out for a little bit. She's got the hickam ups this morning, and I don't know why we're all giggling our rear ends off about Yeah, I don't know either. I was really concerned about hiccuping when I was on the phone with the Lieutenant Governor. <laughs> did she Did she pass muster, uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor? She didn't hiccup. Hey, Hannah does a great job. Every time I've been on with you guys, you kind of give her the raspberry berries but um, every time she uh, accepts a call from me she's very professional and polite and um i've been around the zimmer network for 30 plus years and hannah i mean you're we're way better than marsh or houseworth <laughs> wow. thank you sir thank you i appreciate it john you all right and, buddy? You know, and you know stephanie yeah, bell good. is featured in the local newspaper i hope you guys all got oh, signed yeah. articles of that Yes, Thank you know you. her business. Are we allowed to mention her business on air or no? Absolutely. Are, can we say the trolley company. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly. Yeah. But that's part yeah. of your job, right? I mean, uh, is is promoting your Buy Missouri program and local businesses, and you've you've been all over the state visiting small businesses, and you know that's how I first got to know you as a business owner uh, in Jefferson City. You know, what have you learned over the last year as far as you know what's important to our small business owners? Well, we have an incredible um, state with small business. And Stephanie, you know, and, and Brian and, and John have been around me for a long time. A business is where, you know, the rubber meets the road in Missouri. It is our economy. It is our family-owned businesses across the state who make the difference in communities everywhere we travel to. So inspiring stories, lots of stories like mine, like Vivix, like other people who are listening to you this morning that started out with nothing and work their way through, you know, the worst parts of the economy and the worst parts of borrowing money and the worst parts of finding resources and now made a successful business and are employing 
you know, tens of thousands of Missouri families across the state. Those, that's the fun part of the job. That's why I tell people all the time. The politics part is the horrible part of the job. <laughs> Meeting the people part and hearing their stories is the great part of the job. Lieutenant Governor, you will be up at the dais with the governor and off to the governor's right will be Speaker Plocker, but you'll be up there. Obviously, hundreds of people will be in that chamber for the state of the state. You are the Missouri Veterans Advocate. I know it's very, very personal for you and very uh, it's something you take very seriously. I do want to ask you about the governor's proposal. 8.7% pay increase, specifically the impact that would have on our veterans' homes. Sandy Karsten says it's badly needed. We have staffing 24-7, 365 days a year. The governor's proposal also, Lieutenant Governor, includes a $2 per hour shift differential for people who work at night. What do you say to those lawmakers who would say, we don't need this, or maybe it's not necessary? You would tell them what? Brian, I tell them they're crazy. Um, I have, and, and you and John know that I have, you know, and John, thank you for your service. We spend a lot of time with our veterans community, and, and many lawmakers do. We means lots of people. And, you know, several years ago, we had veterans homes with waiting lists because we didn't have enough bed space for veterans. We still have a waiting list. But we have, and we have open bed space, and people say, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. We're not at full capacity at any of our homes because we don't have staff. I mean, what's how how embarrassing is this? We have state. We're the fifth largest in the United States with four hundred seventy-five thousand veterans. We don't have enough staff to take care of our heroes at our seven veterans homes. It's and it's not the fault of the Veterans Commission. It's the competition of the market right now. And you guys all know that that the last year and a half to two years, wages, salaries, prices, especially in healthcare, have gone through the roof. And so you can't go out and hire people for any business right now when you're 20 and 30% below what the market pays. Most men and women that I meet, I would say every man and woman I meet that work at our veterans' homes are there because they love veterans, not because of the pay. So there's already people who are doing it because of their heart. But we, we can't rely that every single person that we're going to attract will do it just to take you know a bullet for everybody and go there with, for a lower wage. We've got to get our wages up to a market rate so that we can take care of those folks in these homes across our state. Because if you ever want, if you ever have a bad day, go to a veteran's home and visit those people. You will walk out of there with an amazing day. And I think about the people on a state level that have done so much for the benefit of veterans. I think of uh, one of our local reps who reps Cole County, Dave Griffith, and the work he has done over the years. Chuck Basie, when he was in the house, a veteran himself, uh, what they have done for veterans. Impressive. Our guest here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe. We're getting ready for the state of the state today. One of the big events happening in Missouri today, 4 o'clock. Tobler is here with analysis and, uh, and breakdown. Governor, you were talking, we were talking about Dave Griffith, who chairs the House Interim Committee on Veterans Mental Health and Suicide, and they've had some powerful testimony over there. Tony Lovasco last year came out with a bill that was kind of out of left field, basically trying to have lawmakers look at using psychedelics like magic mushrooms as, as veterans treatment. And I know there's, there's still been some discussion of that. Where do you come down on this, I guess, maybe alternative medicine for veterans mental health? Well, John, as you know, mental health of veterans is incredible. We lose 22 veterans a day to suicide. Um, that's why we passed a resolution a couple of years ago, and it seems simple. You know, check your buddy day on the 22nd of each month. Just call one of your friends you served with. Even if you think he or she is doing great, just call and check in. 
Dave Griffith does a great job. You guys know Dave and I have been friends. He was my cameraman for 15 years, made commercials for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've known him and his family forever. There, you won't find a more passionate man about taking care of veterans. And as far as the bill that ta- that Tony Representative Lavasco filed, I mean, we have to look at other means to try to help these folks out. Is his the perfect remedy? I don't know, but I think it's one of those um, issues that we have to have everything on the table to see what we can do to help these men and ladies out. I think many of you guys know I'm an honor flight guardian, and I can tell you some stories about sitting with veterans on buses and planes and just letting them open up to you like they never kind of do sometimes at home. And it's real, guys. It's very real. And so what we can do to help those heroes, as I mentioned before, with our state having so many of them, is something that I think we should spend a lot of time on. And guess what? It's a nonpartisan issue. Missourians across the state, you all know I traveled. I've been all 114 counties at least three times, some of them multiple times. Veterans and taking care of veterans is never a partisan issue. Those are our heroes. And people almost, I would say, unanimously say, what can we do to help them out more? I think that's right. Well, last week we talked about uh, Yellowstone, the TV show, influencing... <laughs> fashion (laughs) and a lot of people want to dress up like a cowboy they want to wear the boots and they want to wear the hat but they don't want to roll up their sleeves and do the really hard work now you actually are a farmer and you talk to farmers a lot Uh, so tell us what issues are you know important to the ag industry right now and then also we'll be talking a little bit later to uh, congressman mark alford who just got put on the ag committee what does that mean for missouri well a couple of things let me unpack that quickly I don't like the Yellowstone series because it's caused the prices of horses to go through the roof. So, you know, everybody wants to be Kevin Costner now and the horse sales and what we're trying to buy in horses and sell. Well, selling them was good, but buying was high. Ag issues, the biggest ag issue that we're still facing is the eminent domain piece. You know, Missouri ranks fifth in the United States at 95,000 family-owned farms. So we are a family-owned farm state. But when you have utility companies, coming through the north uh, part of our state, as you guys probably well know, just to the north of you all across the state, first as a private business and could not successfully acquire the land they want. So then they went and put together a piece that allowed them to go through a, to the Public Service Commission and utilize eminent domain. You have century farmers sitting there saying, I'm going to have towers in the middle of my field that we've had for 150 years that I have to farm around. I can't use aerial spray applications anymore. I mean, it just really messes up their life. And it's not about compensation. They don't want the money. They want the land. And so trying to protect the rights of those Missouri farmers and family-owned farms still is the number one issue I hear about as I'm traveling uh, throughout the state. And as far as your new congressman coming on, you're pronouncing his name wrong. It's all Ford. That's his name. <laughs> Wait, I like that. Getting fact-checked by the lieutenant. Hey, he's a great guy. He's doing a lot of good things in the ag community. He represents both of our largest military base, not Rosecrans, obviously Whiteman and Fort Leonard Wood. I've set him up at both of those bases. He's went and visit those places just in the few weeks that he's been a congressman. They're impressed with him. Mark is doing a great job, and I think you're going to see great things coming out of him in both the ag community and in the military space. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, thank you for joining us this morning. Wake up mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 104.5 News Radio, 950 KWS. Anything that we can do to be of service to uh, to the folks here in Missouri, you let us know. 
You guys are doing a great job with your program. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks, Thank you, uh, Lieutenant thanks Governor, for, for joining us. Brandon, I'll tell you, um, and I don't want to get choked up <clears throat> because I'm, I'm passionate about the veterans myself, but I think what he said there about those veterans' homes, those people are passionate. And if you've ever been in one of those homes, he said something. They really appreciate visitors. If anyone ever has a chance to go see them, they really, it means a lot. Yeah. It does. I thought what he said there was passionate, that they're, some of them are kind of taking a bullet. I think what he was talking about is they're working, obviously, below the market. But um, I, I've been to the Mexico one, and I've been to some of the others, and... Um, it can be uh, some of them just really need visitors. And and the fact that he just said to us, and we've not heard anyone say that on the record, they can't find staff. That is that that's why the governor's doing this today. And by the way, the Democrats and the legislature on board, I do think that's going to pass today. And his other comment was pretty powerful. He said anyone that's supposed to it is crazy. I thought that was pretty powerful as well. Your spouse, something Truman that you would love to say to your spouse, but you don't have the nerve. Say it, Truman. I cheated on you. It's a bad answer. Truman, just sometimes just take an X. <laughs> That was on the family feud. I, I love that because I think there's, a, to me, there's a lesson in that. But the question was, and a hard question to answer, survey says, this is a question you want to ask your spouse, but you're too afraid to do it. And he says, Truman, incidentally, as we get ready for the big gold rush game tonight, Mizzou, Arkansas, uh, Truman, uh, his answer was, no, I, no, I would never do this. But the question is, have, have you ever cheated on me? And uh, the, the host there, Steve Harvey, says... Sometimes just take the X, take the wrong answer. And it reminds me, sometimes I could just keep my mouth shut. A lot of times I'm better off saying nothing at all. And my dad used to tell me this all the time because I used to get backhanded at the dinner table because I was a, a smart aleck. Uh, the last time I ever did that, we were sitting at the Who'd dinner. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> I, 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 my dad said something and he said, quit being a, a smart ass. And I said, dad, it's better than being a dumb ass. I got backhanded, and he didn't miss it. He was eating spaghetti, didn't miss a beat. And I learned then, you know, sometimes, good idea just to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes, just a good idea to uh, take the X. Welcome to the show. Wake up, Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather, uh, Representative uh, Congressman Mark Olford. He's here, 810. He's got appointed to some very hefty committees what this means for us. Gas stove ban, did you follow this story uh, closely at all? I know a lot of folks got freaked out about it. Turns out somebody said something. It was someone in the Biden administration, and they basically said, hey, there's this report that like gas stoves cause asthma, and we, we should, should get rid of all gas stoves. We should ban them, and then, uh, and I, in my opinion, it really got over played in the uh, in the media um the people took the comments and the biden administration wants to ban gas stoves and i hey no somebody said it anyhow uh i was reminded the federal government at this at one time did ban this turns out it had happened on this date january 18 1943 the government banned sliced bread Hmm? Uh-huh. Uh, I should like to let you know how important sliced bread is to the morale and saneness of a household, one of the opponents said. Uh, but they did this because 
basic resources were devoted in an ever-growing volume to the war effort in 1943. Uh, this, according to History.com, as the tide of battle turned and the U.S. and its allies went on the offensive across the vast expanse of two oceans, bread rationing marked the depths of sacrifices on the uh, on the home front. World War II, but a heavy burden on U.S. supplies of basic materials like food, shoes, metal, paper, and uh, and rubber. The federal government banned sliced bread. I wonder what Chillicothe, Missouri thinks of exactly. that. Exactly. There you go. <laughs>